0: Chapter 7 of *Our Holmes and Company. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. R. Holmes and Company. Being the Remarkable Adventures of Raffles Holmes, Esquire, Detective and Amateur Cracksman by Birth. By John Kendrick Bangs. Chapter 7 The Redemption of Young Billington Rand. Jenkins said Raffles Holmes, lighting his pipe and throwing himself down upon my couch. "'Don't you sometimes pine for those good old days of Jack Shepherd and Dick Turpin?'
1: "'Hang it
0: all. I'm getting blisteringly tired of the modern refinements in crime, and yearn for the period when the highwayman met you in the road and made you stand and deliver at the point of the pistol.' "'Indeed I don't,' I ejaculated. "'I'm not chicken-livered Raffles, but I'm mighty glad my lines are cast in less strenuous scenes.' When a book agent comes in here for instance and holds me up for nineteen dollars a volume for a set of kipling in words of one syllable illustrated by his aunt and every volume autographed by his uncle's stepsister it's a game of wits between us as to whether i shall buy or not buy and if he gets away with my signature to a contract it is because he has legitimately outwitted me but your ancient turpin overcame you by brute force you hadn't a run for your money from the moment he got his eye on you and no percentage of the swag was ever returned to you as in the case of the double cross edition of kipling "'in which you get at least fifty cents worth of paper and print "'for every nineteen dollars you give up.' "'That is merely the commercial way of looking at it,' "'protested Holmes. "'You reckon up the situation on a basis of mere dollars, "'strike a balance, and charge the thing up to profit and loss. "'But the romance of it all, the element of the picturesque, "'the delicious, tingling sense of adventure "'which was inseparable from a road experience "'with a commanding personality like Turpin. "'These things are all lost in your prosaic book-agent methods of our day.' No man writing his memoirs for the enlightenment of posterity would ever dream of settling down on paper the story of how a book agent robbed him of two hundred dollars. But the chap who has been held up in the dark recesses of a forest on a foggy night by a Jack Shepherd would always find breathless and eager listeners to, or readers of, the tale he had to tell, even if he lost only a nickel by the transaction. "'Well, old man,' said I, "'I'm satisfied with the prosaic methods of the gas companies and book agents and the rigors of the stock market. Give me Wall Street and you take Dick Turpin and all his crew.' "'But what has set your mind to working on the Dick Turpin end of it anyhow? "'Thinking of going in for that sort of thing yourself?' "'Mmm, yes,' replied Holmes, hesitantly. "'I am. "'Not that I pine to become one of the Broom Squires myself, "'but because I—well, I may be forced into it.' "'Take my advice, Raffles,' I interrupted earnestly. "'Let firearms and the highways alone. "'There's too much of battle, murder, and sudden death in loaded guns, "'and surplus of publicity in street work.' You mustn't take me so literally, Jenkins, he retorted. I'm not going to follow precisely in the steps of Turpin, but a hold up on the public highway seems to be the only way out of a problem which I have been employed to settle. Do you know young Billington Rand? By sight, I said with a laugh, and by reputation. You're not going to hold him up, are you? I added contemptuously. Why not? said Holmes. It's like breaking into an empty house in search of antique furniture, I explained, common report has it that billington rand has already been skinned by about every skinning agency in town he's posted at all his clubs every gambler in town professional as well as social has his ious for bridge poker and faro debts everybody knows it except those fatuous people down in the kenshaw national bank where he's employed and the fidelity company that's on his bond he wouldn't last five minutes in either place if his uncle wasn't a director in both concerns i see that you have a pretty fair idea of billington rand's financial condition," said holmes It's rather common talk in the clubs, so why shouldn't I? I put in. Holding him up would be at most an act of petite larceny, if you measure a crime by what you get out of it. It's a great shame, though, for at heart Rand is one of the best fellows in the world. He is a man who has all the modern false notions of what a fellow ought to do to keep up what he calls his end. He plays cards and sustains ruinous losses because he thinks he won't be considered a good fellow if he stays out. He plays bridge with ladies and pays up when he loses and doesn't collect when he wins. Win or lose, he's doomed to be on the wrong side of the market just because of those very qualities that make him a lovable person, kind to everybody but himself, and weak as dishwater. For heaven's sakes, Raffles, if the poor devil has anything left, don't take it from him. Your sympathy for Rand does you credit, said Holmes. But I have just as much of that as you have, and that is why, at half-past five o'clock tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to hold him up in the public eye and incontinently rob him of twenty-five thousand dollars. Twenty-five thousand dollars? "'Billington Rand?' I gasped. Twenty-five thousand dollars, Billington Rand,' repeated Holmes firmly. "'If you don't believe it, come along and see.' "'He doesn't know you, does he?' "'Not from Adam,' said I. "'Very good. Then you'll be safe as a church. Meet me in the Fifth Avenue Hotel Corridor at five tomorrow afternoon, and I'll show you as pretty a hold-up as you ever dreamed of,' said Holmes. "'But I can't take part in a criminal proceeding like that, Holmes,' I protested. "'You won't have to, even if it were a criminal proceeding.' which it is not he returned nobody outside of you and me will know anything about it but Rand himself and the chances that he will peach are less than a millionth part of half a percent anyhow all you need be is a witness there was a long and uneasy silence i was far from liking the job but after all so far holmes had not led me into any difficulties of a serious nature and knowing him as i had come to know him i had a heartily belief that any wrong he did was temporary and was sure to be rectified in the long run "'I've got a decent motive in all this, Jenkins,' he resumed in a few moments. "'Don't forget that. "'This hold-up is going to result in a reformation that will be for the good of everybody, "'so don't have any scruples on that score.' "'All right, Raffles,' said I. "'You've always played straight with me so far, and I don't doubt your word, "'only I hate the highway end of it.' "'Tut, Jenkins,' he ejaculated with a laugh, "'and giving me a whack on the shoulders that nearly toppled me over into the fireplace. "'Don't be a rabbit. "'The thing will be as easy as cutting calf's foot jelly with a razor.' thus did i permit myself to be persuaded and the next afternoon at five holmes and i met in the corridor of the fifth avenue hotel come on he said after the first salutations were over rand will be at the thirty-third street subway at five fifteen and it is important that we should catch him before he gets to fifth avenue i'm glad it's to be on a side street i remarked my heart beating rapidly with excitement over the work in hand for the more i thought of the venture the less i liked it oh i don't know that it will be said holmes carelessly i may pull it off in the corridors of the powhatan the pumps in my heart reversed their action, and for a moment I feared I should drop with dismay. In the Powhatan. I began. Shut up, Jenkins, said Holmes imperatively. This is no time for protests. We're in it now, and there's no drawing back. Ten minutes later we stood at the intersection of 33rd Street and 5th Avenue. Holmes's eyes flashed, and his whole nervous system quivered, as with the joy of the chase. Keep your mouth shut, Jenkins, and you'll see a pretty sight, he whispered, for here comes our man. Sure enough, there was Billington Rand on the other side of the street, walking along nervously, and clutching an oblong package, wrapped in brown paper, firmly with his right hand. "'Now for it,' said Holmes, and we crossed the street, scarcely reaching the opposite curb before Rand was upon us. Rand eyed us closely and shied off to one side as Holmes blocked his progress. "'I'll trouble you for that package, Mr. Rand,' said Holmes quietly. The man's face went white, and he caught his breath. "'Who the devil are you?' he demanded angrily. "'That has nothing to do with the case,' retorted Holmes. "'I want that package, or—' "'Get out of my way,' cried Rand, with a justifiable show of resentment, "'or I'll call an officer.' "'Will you?' said Holmes, quietly. "'Will you call an officer, and so make known to the authorities "'that you are in possession of twenty-five thousand dollars worth of securities that belong to other people, "'which are supposed at this moment to be safely locked up "'in the vaults of the Kenshaw National Bank, "'along with other collateral?' "'Rand staggered back against the newel-post of a brownstone stoop, "'and stood there gazing wildly into Holmes's face.' Of course, if you prefer having the facts made known in that way, Holmes continued, coolly, you have the option. I am not going to use physical force to persuade you to hand the package over to me, but you are a greater fool than I take you for if you choose that alternative. To use an expressive modern phrase, Mr. Billington Rand, you will be caught with the goods on, and unless you have a far better explanation of how those securities happen to be in your possession at this moment than I think you have, there is no power on earth that can keep you from landing in state prison. The Unfortunate Victim of Holmes's Adventure fairly gasped in his combined rage and fright. Twice he attempted to speak, but only inarticulate sounds issued from his lips. "'You are, of course, very much disturbed at the moment,' Holmes went on, "'and I am really very sorry if anything I have done "'has disarranged any honourable enterprise in which you are embarked. "'I don't wish to hurry you into a snap decision, "'which you may repent later. "'Only either the police or I must have that package within an hour. "'It is for you to say which of us is to get it. "'Suppose we run over to the Pohadden "'and discuss the matter calmly over a bottle of Gungari. Possibly I can convince you that it will be to your own good to do precisely what I tell you, and very much to your disadvantage to do otherwise. Rand, stupefied by this sudden intrusion upon his secret by an utter stranger, lost what little fight there was left in him, and at least seemed to assent to Holmes's proposition. The latter linked arms with him, and in a few minutes we walked into the famous hostelry just as if we were three friends bent only on having a pleasant chat over a cafe table. what do you have, Mr. Rand? asked Holmes suavely. I'm elected for the Glengarry Special, with a little carbonic on the side same said rand laconically sandwich with it asked holmes you'd better oh i can't eat anything began rand i bring us some sandwiches waiter said holmes two glengarry special a siphon of carbonic and jenkins what's yours the calmness and cheek of the fellow i'm not in on this at all i retorted angered by holmes's use of my name and i want mr rand to understand oh tut ejaculated holmes he knows that mr rand my friend jenkins has no connection with this enterprise of mine "'and he's done his level best to dissuade me from holding you up so summarily. "'All he's brought along for is to write the thing up for—' "'The newspapers!' cried Rand, now thoroughly frightened. "'No!' laughed Holmes. "'Nothing so useful. The magazines.' "'Holmes winked at me as he spoke, and I gathered that there was method in his apparent madness. "'That's one of the points you want to consider, though, Mr. Rand,' he said, "'leaning upon the table with his elbows. "'Think of the newspapers tomorrow morning if you call the police rather than hand that package over to me.' it'll be a big sensation for wall street and upper fifth avenue to say nothing of what the yellows will make of that story for the rest of the hoy polloi the newsboys will be yelling extras all over town printed in great red letters a club man held up in broad daylight for twenty five thousand dollars in securities that didn't belong to him billington rand has something to explain where did he get it for heaven's sakes man don't pleaded the unfortunate billington god i never thought of that of course you didn't think of that said holmes that's why i'm telling you about it now you don't dispute my facts, do you? No, I Rand began. Of course not, said Holmes. You might as well dispute the existence of the flatiron building. If you don't want tomorrow's papers to be full of this thing, you'll hand that package over to me. But protested Rand, I'm only taking it up to a uh, er uh, uh, to a broker here he gathered himself together and spoke with great assurance. I am delivering them, sir, to a broker on behalf of one of our depositors who-who has been speculating with what little money he had left. "'has lost his margins, and is now forced into an act of crime to protect his speculation,' said Holmes. "'The broker is the notorious William C. Gallagher, "'who runs an uptown bucket shop for speculative ladies to lose their pin-money and bridge-winnings in, "'and your depositor's name is Billington Rand, Esquire. Otherwise, yourself.' "'How do you know all this?' gasped Rand. "'Oh, maybe I read it on the ticker,' laughed Holmes. "'Or, what is more likely, possibly I overheard Gallagher recommending you "'to dip into the bank's collateral to save your investment at Green's Chop Shop last night.' "'You were at Green's Chop Shop last night?' cried Rand. "'In the booth adjoining your own, and I heard every word you said,' said Holmes. "'Well, I don't see why I should give this stuff to you anyhow,' growled Rand. "'Chiefly because I happen to be long on information which would be of interest not only to the police, but to the President and Board of Directors of the Kenshaw National Bank, Mr. Rand,' said Holmes. "'It will be a simple matter for me to telephone Mr. Horace Huntington, the President of your institution, and put him wise to this transaction of yours.' And that is the second thing I shall do immediately you have decided not to part with the package. The second thing? Rand whimpered. What will you do first? Communicate with the first policeman we meet when we leave here, said Holmes. But take your time, Mr. Rand. Take your time. Don't let me hurry you into a decision. Try a little of this Glengarry and we'll drink heartily to a sensible conclusion. I-i-i'll uh, uh, put it back in the vaults tomorrow, pleaded Rand. Can't trust you, my boy, said Holmes. Not with a persuasive crook like old bucket ship Gallagher on your trail they're safer with me. Rand's answer was a muttered oath, as he tossed the package across the table and started to leave us. One word more, Mr. Rand, said Holmes detaining him. Don't do anything rash. There's a lot of good fellowship between criminals, and I'll stand by you all right. So far, nobody knows you took those things, and even when they turn up missing, if you go about your work as if nothing had happened, while you may be suspected, nobody can prove that you got the goods. Rand's face brightened at this remark by jove that's true enough said he excepting gallagher he added his face falling pa for gallagher cried holmes snapping his fingers contemptuously if he as much as peeped we can put him in jail and if he sells you out you may tell him for me that i'll land him in sing sing for a term of years he led you into this he certainly did moaned rand and he's got to get you out said holmes now good-bye old man the worst that can happen to you is a few judgments instead of penal service for eight or ten years unless you were foolish enough to try another turn of this sort and then you may not happen on a good-natured highwayman like myself to get you out of your troubles by the way what is the combination of the big safe in the outer office of the kenshaw national one eight nine seven said rand thanks said holmes jotting it down coolly in his memorandum book that's a good thing to know that night shortly before midnight holmes left me i've got to finish the job said he the most ticklish part of the business is yet to come great scott holmes i cried isn't the thing done "'No, of course not,' he replied. "'I've got a bus to bust open the Kenshaw safe.' "'Now, my dear Raffles,' I began, "'why aren't you satisfied with what you've done already? "'Why must you—' "'Shut up, Jenkins,' he interrupted with a laugh. "'If you knew what I was going to do, you wouldn't kick. "'That is, unless you've turned crook, too.' "'Not I!' said I, indignantly. "'You don't expect me to keep these bonds, do you?' he asked. "'But what are you going to do with them?' I retorted. "'Put them back in the Kenshaw bank where they belong, "'so they'll be found there tomorrow morning.' "'As sure as I don't, Billington Rand is doomed,' said he. "'It's a tough job, but I've been paid a thousand dollars by his family "'to find out what he's up to, "'and by thunder, after following his trail for three weeks, "'I've got such a liking for the boy "'that I'm going to save him if it can be done. "'And if there's any raffles left in me, "'such a simple proposition as cracking a bank "'and putting the stuff back where it belongs, "'in a safe of which I have the combination, "'isn't going to stand in my way. "'Don't fret, old man. "'It's as good as done. "'Good night.' "'And Raffles Holmes was off. "'I passed a feverish night.' "'but at five o'clock the following morning "'a telephone message sent my misgivings at rest. "'Hello, Jenkins,' came Raffles' voice over the wire. "'Hello,' I replied. "'Just rang you up to let you know it's all right. "'The stuff's replaced. "'Easiest job ever, like opening oysters. "'Pleasant dreams to you,' he said. "'And click, the connection was broken.' Two weeks later, Billington Rand resigned from the Kenshaw Bank "'and went west, where he is now leading the simple life on a sheep ranch. "'His resignation was accepted with regret,' and the Board of Directors, as a special mark of their liking, voted him a gift of twenty-five hundred dollars for faithful services. "'And the best part of it was,' said Holmes, when he told me of the young man's good fortune, that his accounts were as straight as a string. "'Holmes, you are a bully chap!' I cried, in a sudden excess of enthusiasm. "'You do things for nothing sometimes.' "'Nothing!' echoed Holmes. "'Nothing! Why, that job was worth a million dollars to me, Jenkins, but not in coin.' Just in good solid satisfaction in saving a fine young chap like Billington Rand from the clutches of a sharper and sneaking skinflint like old bucket-chop Gallagher chapter seven recording by Todd